Good evening. Welcome to this week's edition of the Let's Talk About Sports podcast. Episode 7 will feature today's special guest, Ashley Ingle, one of the top high school golfers in the state of Florida, class of 2019, who is now pursuing a bachelor's degree in sports journalism. How are we doing this evening, Ashley? I'm doing well. I'm, do- I'm really excited to get on this podcast and just talk about sports with y'all. Starting with some top headlines across all the sports. MLB, finalizing return to play proposal within the next week. Teens have begun to encourage players to prepare for a spring training that could begin in mid-June and a season that could start in early July. Now, obviously, this spring training wouldn't really be in the spring anymore. Significant number of hurdles remain as industry leaders believe a June or July return date is unrealistic at this time as the season has already been delayed by six weeks. What are your thoughts on these possible proposals for the upcoming MLB season, whenever that begins? Uh, I think in general, all these proposals are nice in theory, but the curve really hasn't flatlined that much. And states are opening up businesses and I don't know, everything is just hectic in general. I think they're trying to do this to give people hope, but I think we're already screwed because of the fact that no one really listened. It's like, even when people were social distancing, and I use like heavy quotations when I say that, people were still gathering together, doing all types of stuff. You see it all over social media. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't know when sports will come back at a realistic capacity where there's fans because I think only half the country was listening in the first place. Yeah, I actually agree with that because a lot of states right now, I know Florida in my hometown, they lifted up their stay-at-home act. So it really depends where the teams are and when they are able to practice. But if a team in, let's say, in Arizona or in Washington or in California, their stay-at-home act is still it's still right now like they haven't been able to practice they've been working out at home and stuff so it's uncertain like we're all like sometimes I forget that I'm living in a pandemic because it's been such a long time I feel like everyone is tired of it like I think the MLB yeah they're doing a great job telling people hey like here are the updates but at the same time you have to be realistic with that because most people already had their refunds but when like exactly when we don't know when the seasons are going to pick up again Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. The MLB really is in a tough situation. There's too much money being lost at this time, and they'll just play the season without fans. But I'm not really sure how soon that's going to happen. I don't really anticipate anything actually happening before the beginning of July. We already got May started before any sporting events start happening again. All the athletes have to go through training and all that stuff to prepare for the season. And that will take an extra month or so. So even a mid-June start would be a miracle, to be honest. Moving on to soccer, German Soccer League Bundesliga will return on May 16th in hopes to complete the season by June 30th. The majority of soccer leagues have not continued to play as most European countries 
as well as the U.S. were highly affected by the coronavirus. What are you guys' thoughts on the league returning to play May 16th? Uh, I don't know all the logistics about uh, how the coronavirus has affected you know countries overseas, but I just think that in general, the chance like for them to continue this season, I have more faith in them than I have in my own country because if you see all the countries that got hit by the coronavirus first, it flatlined significantly before they continued anything, and even. Obviously, completely different country because it's Asia. But if you look at the uh, ESPN the last couple of nights, they've started showing Korean baseball, like the Korean Baseball League has started. So if they're starting back, if they're starting their professional season and, you know, other leagues as far as with, you know, soccer wants to do this, the German soccer league, I don't necessarily have much of a problem with it is because, like, that's literally what what other countries have been able to do because it flatlined a little bit better. Moving on to the NFL. Wife pointed loaded gun at former Seahawks and current Ravens safety, Earl Thomas III. Nina Thomas was arrested on April 13th in Austin, Texas and charged with first-degree felony burglary of a residence with an intent to commit aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, according to a court document obtained Thursday by ESPN. The Ravens are aware of the situation, but Thomas did not notify the team of the incident. Nina Thomas told police she believed he was cheating on her, and she used Snapchat maps to track Earl to the rental home, brought two other women with her, and found Earl and his brother in separate bedrooms with two other women. An officer found cell phone video footage that shows Nina Thomas placing Earl's 9mm Beretta less than a foot away from Earl's head with the safety disengaged and her finger on the trigger. Earl was able to wrestle the gun away from her, but when police arrived later that night, they found Nina chasing Earl with a knife while he tried to keep her away with the gun. What are your guys' thoughts on the situation? Uh, that is a intense situation for you know, a person that is well known for the um, Ravens. But, you know, honestly, in my opinion, like, yeah, you got to stay loyal to your significant other. You got to communicate. But at the same time, if don't find out like that. Like, if you're angry, like, why would you, why would you point a gun at someone, first of all? How does she get the gun? Like, why would you do that to a person that you truly cared about? But at the same time, that person cheated. Like, I would be mad too. But a weapon, really? <laughs> like, and then... I think he was in shock. Like, I wouldn't tell my team yet. I would be shocked if, you know, my husband pointed a gun at me. Like, shoot, like, that's life or death right there. Like, in the pull of a trigger, you could be dead. But, I mean, it would be right to tell your teammates before they um, find out with the press. But in that situation, like, that's unknown, honestly. First, before I say what I got to say, I just want to – tell people I'm not advising anyone to do this this is wrong I understand why she was arrested etc but this should be a sad lesson that people should learn this is why you do not cheat in monogamous relationships people are crazy like he almost lost his life because he couldn't keep it in his pants this like 
this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I thought this I thought this was a joke when I saw it on Bleacher Report. I thought they were really joking. But this happens. And I'm not encouraging this behavior, but he's probably not even the first athlete that's done this. Just the first one that got caught. And he the first one that had a wife that was crazy enough to actually do this. Like, this looked like something out of the Find My Way video by Lil Baby. I mean, not Lil Baby, but Baby. Like, this is crazy. So, like I said, do not do this. She was wrong, but this is why you don't do this. And also, like, I'm not condoning her pulling a gun or him cheating, but if you're a professional athlete, turn your snap maps off. Mm. Like, come on, man. You're definitely putting yourself in danger by doing something as irresponsible as that. So, moving on, a reunion with Jadavion Clowney and the Seattle Seahawks is not likely. The team believes Clowney is asking for too much money and has prepared to move on without him. Clowney still awaits for a team to offer him the contract that he wants, one that many analysts consider to be overpaying him. What are your thoughts on the Clowney free agency status? In the words of Jalen Rose, you're worth what people are willing to pay you. So if he can't get that money from the Seahawks and no one else is willing to give him that money, he got to drop his asking price down some. Because yes, I'm all for, you know, the players getting paid. And if you think you deserve that amount of money, then yeah, like make your case, try to put in some work. And, you know, he's a really talented player. But at the same time, if no one out there in the market is, let's say, his contract, he wants three years, 50 mil. If no one wants to pay that, then you might have to drop that at three years, 45. You can't be worth that if no one is willing to pay you that money. The Seahawks offered him three years, 45 mil, but he already declined an offer from the Dolphins for three years, 54 mil. I wish I had 54 mil. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, yeah, he uh, had a pretty good year, but the dude's had a lot of injury problems since he was drafted number one overall a few years ago. And the money he's asking for, you're talking about paying him and the family of Aaron Donald, Von Miller. And I just don't think he's that type of player. Oh, I, I, w- I would agree, but, you know, it's a sucker born every day. If, if he can find some way to finesse that type of bag, then do it. But if three years, $54 million you're declining on, I don't know what you're expecting if you want the price to get, you know, to keep going up. I just don't understand. Yeah, $18 million a year should be more than enough for him. But moving on. The NFL lays out protocols for teams to reopen facilities on May 15th in memo sent out to all 32 teams. According to the memo, the number of employees allowed back into facilities would allow no more than 50% of non-player staff to up to and up to a total of 75 per day. Teams must also receive consent from local and state governments acquire enough cleaning and other supplies, 
create an infection response team that includes doctors and team athletic trainers, designate an infection control officer to be the first point of contact for any employee who displays coronavirus symptoms, and provide coronavirus safety and hygiene training to all employees who will return to the facility. Face coverings and physical distancing of at least six feet will be required for all employees. What are your thoughts on the NFL's new protocols for coronavirus and reopening team facilities? Um, I think it's more of a preparative measure because let's say, you know, people somehow use their brains and we get to the point that by the fall, it's realistic that football can be played. Will have a football season with a bunch of out of shape athletes not only is that not good for business it's not good for their health as people because that makes them even more susceptible to injuries in a very violent game so i'm assuming that this is so they can get some type of work in they can stay in shape in some shape or fashion before we could get to the point that it is realistic to have them play against one another at contact and not be putting themselves at risk for the virus. Definitely need to start getting the players in shape because if these players aren't doing mini camps, training camps, ramping up their off-season workouts within the next month, they're not going to be in tip-top shape for the beginning of the preseason. So they definitely need to get the ball rolling and start getting these guys in shape. Moving on to the NBA. Teams are scheduled to reopen facilities as the NBA prepares to hold all-player call on May 8th to discuss a possible resumption of the 2020 season and playoffs. And with guidance from public health officials, the CDC, and infectious disease specialists, the call with Commissioner Adam Silver and Executive Director Michelle Roberts is to be an open forum for players to address any concerns or questions. What are you guys' thoughts on the NBA's coronavirus protocol? Man, the NBA kind of trailblazed a lot of this because they were very proactive from the get-go, and I think that kind of set the precedent for other leagues to follow up and take this more seriously as well. But... This is the only league, well, not the only league, but out of all the leagues, this is the one that's most important for me to see occur. I need to see basketball. I don't care if fans got to sit, you know, one person to every row. We need to see basketball. And the reason why everyone needs to just stay at home don't touch nobody, don't talk to nobody, unless you need to go to the grocery store, unless you're a central worker, stay in the house. Stay in the house. Stay in the house. Yeah, I agree. The more people continue to ignore the guidelines and break the rules, the longer we're going to be in this quarantine. And I don't think they realize that. You know, all they're thinking about is themselves. Oh, I'm bored. Oh my gosh, when is this going to end? Well, if you don't start staying in the house, we're going to be in this longer and longer and longer. 
I think if everybody had followed the guidelines from when all the government shutdowns happened, you know, in mid to late March, we probably would be out of quarantine already at the beginning of this month or out of quarantine in the next week or two. But until the government sees that flat line in the curve for coronavirus cases, nothing's going to change. Moving on to NCAA basketball. Highly sought Wake Forest transfer, Olivier Saar signs with Kentucky. I felt that this was the best fit and the best opportunity for me, being able to play for that great program and showcase my winning drive on that stage. Coach Cal made me understand that I was needed over there. Saar said, said to ESPN in an interview after his decision. Dozens of schools recruited Saar, but his ultimate decision came down to making the move to Lexington or returning to Wake Forest to play for new head coach Steve Forbes. Forbes' main pitch was to try to convince Saar to stay was the academic rigor of Wake Forest. I think the most important thing is, why would you go to Wake Forest for three years, put all that time in to get this prestigious degree, and end up going to get your degree at a place like Kentucky, Forbes said. Saar made third team all ACC for the 2019 season while averaging 14 points and nine rebounds for the Demon Deacons. He comes to a Kentucky team that had a lack of options inside and coach Calipari told Saar that he has a great young team that needs him to be a leader and set a great example for these highly talented freshmen coming into the program. Kentucky lost six players to the NBA draft and another to UCLA, but brings in Saar along with the number one 2020 recruiting class that includes five-star recruits, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, and Devin Askew. What are your thoughts on Saar making the transfer to your alma mater, Kentucky? Man, I'm a Kentucky guy, so I love it. I love it a lot. It is what I really need to happen, though, is the NCAA need to go ahead and prove that waiver so he can play this year so we can all be good. Because if not, then he want to explore some type of pro options, which I understand and I respect. But I need them to go ahead, look at that waiver, give it the little green type of approval so we can be you no know, Gucci. Because I feel more because I feel more passionate about this, particularly because, all right, yes, I do talk a lot of trash about other programs, but people been talking trash about my program, and I'm not trying to hear the noise. I don't care about the rankings. I don't care what they think about Kentucky. All I want them to know is every year, regardless how the team looks, they somehow make Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, Final 4s, always in contention for a top 10 ranking. Uh have a chance to contend for a championship. I don't know how Kyle does it, but he does it. And the proof is in the play. That's all I got to say. And I think the quotes also say something about Calipari's recruiting. You know, he always makes the players feel wanted because he never goes after any players that he doesn't really want on his team. He does a great job of convincing the players that Kentucky's the right spot for them and that their talent is not going to be wasted. So I really like the pickup for Kentucky, and I think he'll be huge for a freshman-filled team. Moving on, Louisville got hit with an NCAA notice of level two allegations. 
The NCAA alleges that former coach Rick Pitino did not satisfy head coach responsibility when he failed to promote an atmosphere of compliance. Former assistant coaches Kenny Johnson and Jordan Fair are accused of providing impermissible benefits and transportation and having impermissible contact with a recruit. Louisville is the seventh program to receive a notice stemming from the FBI investigating into college basketball corruption. However, Kansas, NC State, Oklahoma State, and South Carolina were all only accused of level one violations. What are your thoughts on Louisville's allegations and what do you think that means for them going forward? I mean, Louisville, I feel like everything to an extent, especially if you're a good basketball program, has violations that people don't talk about or people won't find because the NCAA has a certain number of people and then there's 350 plus programs, D1 programs. So you can't find everyone no matter how many people snitch, etc. So it was like everyone knows that Louisville basically was paying hookers the mess with plays. And no matter in what way you formalize that or you show that in Braille, you communicate that in Spanish, French, German, that's not okay. That is not legal in many cases. And in some cases, the players might not even be 18, to be honest. So how do you think that, oh, we should get a level one violation like everyone else? That let alone is going to get them level two. And we don't know what else they were doing outside of that. Don't really believe that Patino knew nothing about that because you're the head coach. It's the same thing that on a more gruesome scale why, you know, Penn State and the Joe Paterno thing turned sour with his situation with that, but we're not going to dive too much into that. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. Louisville just... Louisville. Yeah, I mean, they already got a big slap in the face with the one-year postseason ban when they got the allegations from the stripper scandal, but which I wonder if that's even part of this investigation because they kind of already received their punishment for that. But if there's more that happened before they even fired Rick Pitino, oof, this is going to end ugly for them. Moving on to golf. Michelle Wee West is considering playing in the LPGA U.S. Open in December. She is expecting her first child this summer in the June to July timeframe. She has been out since last June with a wrist injury, and her last appearance ended with a missed cut at the 2019 KPMG Women's PGA. What are your guys' thoughts on Michelle Wee making a possible comeback, and how do you think she will play? Uh, I followed Michelle Wee a lot whenever I was younger. Um, I inspire her so much. And the one thing that gets to me is how she is not a quitter. She will do anything in her power, no matter if, you know, her wrist hurts, she'll still practice, like no matter what. And I remember I follow her on Instagram and the first post whenever I saw that she was pregnant with her um, first child with um, her husband, Johnny West, I was so excited to see that. She was excited as well. And her playing, I could, she'll be able to play in December. She is a strong woman. She knows how to play the game. She inspires younger kids, like younger girls especially, 
to, you know, not to give up. There may be a bump in the road, but if you have a goal, just get it. She's the type of woman in the LPGA industry that people follow because she is such a positive role model to never give up on your dreams and to also just be a go-getter. So her playing in December, I will be sitting in my living room watching her play, <laughs> but I'm honestly excited to see her play again. I miss it. Uh, me? I just think that's really ambitious. I mean, I think most athletes or most people in the spotlight are just cut from a different claw as far as the work ethic or what they legitimately can do opposed to what the average person could do. But that's a quick turnaround. I mean, obviously I will never have the capacity in my life to be pregnant, but I remember seeing my mom go through pregnancy with my little sister growing up and just imagining if my mom was to say, hey, I'm gonna play golf in four to five months. Like, you gotta think about all the weight that she's gonna uh, wanna trim from like getting getting a you know baby weight like most women do naturally. Uh, she has to tone up, uh, get back in the swing of things. I mean, obviously it's definitely possible. She's an elite athlete, one of the best you know golfers in LPGA, but I'm like very interested to see how she performs because I feel like you know first tournament back after dealing with pregnancy, I feel like it's going to take her a minute to get in the groove with them. Yeah, I agree. She's definitely going to come back rusty. Never really going to be able to experience that, obviously. But uh, but it's you know nine months pregnancy, going through labor, taking care of the kid afterwards. I mean, she's going to be spending a lot of time away from the game, and I think that's really going to be tough for her to make a comeback that quickly, especially when the last time she played, I mean, she played absolutely awful when she missed a cut at the KPMG. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to see her go out there and play, but I wouldn't have very high expectations for her in terms of how she's going to play. But knowing how what kind of person she is and how she's always overcoming adversity, you know, whether it was when she was 13 playing against professional men, whether it was when she had her wrist injury and played through it, she's always going to compete and that's why so many female golfers look up to her and she's really grown the women's professional game in golf and made it much more popular increased the purses and just opportunities for women in golf in general so i think it'll be great for the sport to see her make that comeback moving on to the men's side the revised PGA Tour schedule starts with the Charles Schwab Challenge from June 11th to 14th. It was originally scheduled for May 21st through 24th. The Travelers Championship remains June 25th through 28th. The PGA Championship is going to be changed to August 6th through 9th. It was originally scheduled for May 14th through 17th. And the FedEx Cup Tour Championship remains September 4th through 7th. And the U.S. Open will be changed to September 17th through 20th. The Masters will be changed to November 12th through 15th. 
and the Open Championship is completely canceled. How do you guys feel about this new PGA schedule? And what do you th- what do you think the likelihood is that the fans come back to the galleries at any point during the new tour season? I really don't think there will be fans for the first couple of tournaments because it's not like, you know, basketball and football whenever everyone just sits in the bleachers. It's people crowded behind each other's necks trying to see, oh, Tiger Woods hitting this ball or Rory McIlroy hitting this ball. But a lot of people are just on top of each other, just like seeing who's hitting what. But I think the revised schedule is good for this, um, for the PGA because a lot of people do watch golf but it hasn't been really like you know popular for people to watch it really but um the open championship i'm really upset that that one is canceled but i think with this new revised schedule it is good for everyone to be prepared for the season but i think for the traveler championship and the pga championship i don't think there's going to be fans now the fedex cup maybe because it's in september but i don't think the first two tournaments is going to have any fans definitely agree that the first two tournaments will not have any fans but i wouldn't be surprised to see fans banned from the pga championship a tournament that has an astronomically larger number of fans than you know the normal tour tournaments like the schwab challenge and the travelers i i think there's also a possibility that the fan ban continues into september or october and i think the most likely return to f- to fans being in the galleries is the Masters in November. But even then could be a reach depending on when this coronavirus vaccine comes out and just how the numbers game plays out in terms of coronavirus cases in the U.S. And the Open Championship being canceled, I don't, I don't see any tournaments happening this season in Europe the way it's been going, so... What are your thoughts, Lamar? I don't think a vaccine will even come out until probably sometime next year if we're being realistic. And I think the best thing we can do for the rest of 2020 is just make sure the, the curve is flatlined and whatnot. But as far as the PGA, I think the PGA schedule of all sports, they probably have, I feel like all, every tournament is gonna happen like for sure because the biggest thing would just be making sure there's enough tests for the golfers. But you think about it from a standpoint, golf is not a sport where a lot of people come in contact with one another. And, you know, I hit my ball off the tee, it goes, you know, 300 yards, and then I'm going after it. There is not uh, a bunch of situations where you're going to be, you know, less than six feet, you know, you're going to be like that close to one another, like less than six feet as far as like the proximity of, of one person to another person. I think as far as galleries, I think I think the best thing is, you know, just play by ear, kind of listen to the CDC's uh, advice or recommendation on the situation. But they do have people in the galleries. I think it'll be very limited. I think the tickets will probably be maybe like a tenth of what it normally is to be honest yeah and they'll probably sell a much smaller 
number of tickets so they can prevent too many fans from being in there because you know there are those some fans that'll be like "Ooh, the ch- tickets are 10 times cheaper let me go and then all of a sudden you have an overcrowd of fans but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out but i 100 percent expect the tournaments to continue as the new schedule shows that is all we have for episode seven of the let's talk about sports podcast i'd like to thank special guest ashley for taking her time out of her day to be on this episode and thank you all for listening today we hope you tune in for episode eight being released on friday may 15th by 11:59 p.m check my snapchat stories username at rbjones99 Instagram stories and Twitter updates, usernames at the real BJ99 to find out when the episode is released and to find the link. You can also subscribe to receive automatic email updates for the Let's Talk About Sports blog and put in content requests or requests to be featured in future episodes by going to rbjones99.wixsite.com slash let's talk about sports slash contact.